Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians for the Kansas City Royals nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And not only did I get to watch baseball being played yesterday, I got to be there. That's right, I took advantage of my paternity leave, still got a few weeks left, and I, uh, I took my dad to an afternoon Guardians game, one of those Wednesday 1 o'clock games or noon games. You know, usually I'm in the office watching it while I work. I finally got to go and enjoy one of these middle-of-the-week games. It's not an opportunity I get very often, and I got to take my dad, which is always fun. Being able to take a parent, and I say parent because moms love baseball too. So there are plenty of moms out there, but being able to take a parent with you to a game is always a joy. We had, you know, all the classic things. We we got decent seats down the uh, down the left field line, but when we left and got food, we of course just went and plopped down in seats right behind the uh, on, behind the Guardians on deck circle. So we ended up in great, you know, a great view for the rest of the game. Uh, you know, got some good ballpark food down at the stadium, had a guy who just wandered into our section by himself, who was hitting the beers pretty hard and sat behind us and talked their ears off for the last two innings, was coming up with crazy nicknames like Naylor the Sailor and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, got into some interesting conversations with people. So it was a good classic ballpark experience. And uh, we had a blast. And not only that, they were calling for thunderstorms the whole day. The whole day they were calling for thunderstorms. And I'm telling you, it was sunny and blue skies until Classe got the ball in his hand to pitch to the final batter of the game. And all of a sudden, you feel a drop on your knee. feel another drop on your shoulder. Ball gets hit to Ramirez. You feel another drop on the top of your head. He makes the final out at first base. And boom, the skies open up and there comes the rain. So they couldn't have timed it any better to finish that game before some thunderstorms rolled in. And we got some storms in Cleveland. I mean, I I don't know what it was like downtown, but out in the suburbs, we got hammered. I'm talking big trees down all over the place. And it was quick, too. It hit quick. So it's a good thing they got that game in before those thunderstorms rolled across Cleveland. So that's the details of going to the game. Uh, the grass is still green. The uniforms are still crisp and white. Uh, it's still a fun experience to go down to a Guardians game. Uh, I know, you know, plenty of people have been going. I just, with a baby, with a new baby in the house, it was my first chance to make it to a game this season. Um, all right, so let's get into the storylines of this game. And the top storyline has to be Connor Pilkington, right? As, uh, I caught a little bit of the highlights. I know this game was on YouTube TV and I know they had, um, Austin Hedges mic'd up in the Guardians dugout. So we called him Connor with a K because he was racking up the K's yesterday. Eight strikeouts on the day. He gets through five innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, eight strikeouts on 91 pitches. He's only hard hit four times on the day and ends up recording his first major league win his first Major League W, uh, which is pretty cool. He's a 1-0 record now. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. And there was a moment There was a moment in this game where you thought Pelkington might not make it out of this thing. He might not be, you know, be, be able to. You got to get five innings to be the pitcher of record. And that fourth inning got pretty shaky when he starts things off of the walk to Salvador Perez. But he's able to lock it down, get through the fifth inning, 
and get that win. And the bullpen, of course, does a great job. The offense does a great job of scratching across four runs. We'll get into that. But yeah, the top storyline for me is definitely Connor Pilkington. He was going mostly fastball changeup. He said, uh, you know, I think I caught a few quotes from him in Mandy Bell's wrap-up article of the game. And, you know, says that he realized that his stuff plays at the major league level. Like, that's the that's a concern you probably have coming up from AAA. Like, okay, I've been, I've been beating AAA pitters. But what is my stuff going to look like against the Mike Trouts and judges of the world, right? What is it going to look like against major league hitters? Now, I know the Kansas City lineup isn't exactly that, but there's still some, you know... There's still some good hitters in this. Merrifield and Benintendi and Santana and Perez. Like, there's some good hitters in this lineup. And uh, Pilkington said, you know, he felt confident that his stuff plays at the major league level. And so, yeah, it was mostly fastball changeups from him. Did mix in a few sinkers, a few sliders, and one curveball. But uh, mostly fastball change. 60 fastballs on the day, 17 changeups. And the fastball had some life. Everything had life, as a matter of fact. I mean, his yearly average on his four-seam fastball was at 91.6. He was averaging 93.3 with it yesterday. He maxed out at 96.5, which got him a strikeout in the first inning. Um, It's a 37% CSW on his four-seam fastball. Eight whiffs on 27 swings, 14 called strikes added in on top of that. That That's a pretty elite fastball right there. That's pretty good stuff. The changeup on 10 swings, he got six whiffs, a 60% whiff rate on the changeup. So it's a it's a 37% whiff rate overall. It's a 35% CSW overall. That's pretty, that is strong, strong starter stuff right there. A 35, that's better than we've seen in a while from a Guardian starter, it feels like. So Pilkington definitely, definitely delivering his stuff, definitely plays um, at the major league level. And let's go through this because he was racking up the strikeouts. In fact, he strikes out the side to start the game. And frankly, you know, a little bit of it was he was facing Kansas City, who is one of the worst teams in baseball right now. And they were helping him out a little bit here. I mean, the last strike to Whit Merrifield, he was a little bit wild with that fastball. Um, hitting 93-94 with that fastball. He's throwing him, he was trying to get inside on the right-handed hitter. And he was definitely missing off the inside of the plate uh, against him. But eventually comes back, throws one on the plate that he fouls off, which takes it to a full count. Uh, Oh, sorry, it was already at a full count. He he has to come back after missing with two fastballs inside. He has to come back on the plate, back to the outside edge of the plate. He, He fouls off a fastball and then goes up and gets Merrifield to chase a fastball up at his shoulders, frankly. So Merrifield helps him out in that first at-bat. Could have taken a walk, instead strikes out. Benatendi, he just attacks Benatendi with uh, the lefty now. He's going fastball slider against the lefty. He misses with a slider high for ball one, then gets him to foul off a fastball. Gets a nice called strike on a fastball on the outside edge, maybe just off the black, but gets the call. And then throws him a slider that I'm telling you paints the bottom outside corner of the strike zone. And he swings through it for strike three. So two strikeouts to start the game. Brings up Bobby Witt Jr. and just blows him away with fastballs. First pitch fastball down at the thighs. Comes in on him a little bit with it for a called strike. Then throws him one on the outside edge that he swings through. And you know what? Throws him another one on the outside edge. Usually this is not a recipe for success. We've talked about it before. Show me a pitch twice and you're probably going to pay for it. 
Well, this time he ramps it up a two extra miles per hour. The first call strike is at 94.7. The swinging strike outside is at 94.4. And then the one on the outside edge that he swings through is up at 96.5 for the strikeout, putting a little bit extra mustard on that fastball to guarantee a strikeout. Then why not? Salvador Perez comes up to start the second inning. Why not strike him out too? Once again, a Royals hitter really helping Pilkington out, frankly. Not one of these pitches is in the strike zone. Four pitches to Salvador Perez. He misses down low with a ball, with a fastball for ball one. Then gets him to swing at a changeup that he leaves outside. Maybe Perez thought this might be a slider, something coming back on the plate, but it stays away off the plate and he swings through it. He then foul tips a fastball that again stays away off the plate. Perez is expanding his strike zone here off the plate. And then goes for another changeup. This one falls at the bottom of the strike zone, still away, still off the strike zone away. And Perez goes and chases it again. So three pitches away, Perez chases to help him out. And uh, yeah, Pilkington strikes out the first four banners that he faces in this game. That's pretty good stuff. Now, he would get into a little bit of trouble. Two guys do get on. Uh, in this inning, but that would bring up uh, Emmanuel Rivera, and Rivera did not have himself a particularly good day. Rivera goes down to the strikeout, and this one was via the changeup, and this one was a nasty changeup. He uh, threw a changeup for ball one, but then throws four, uh, three four-seam fastballs in a row. He fouls off two of them. He takes one high for ball, so he doesn't chase it like Merrifield did in the first at-bat. So now he's throwing him that fastball three times in a row, right? 94, 94, 93.2. Goes changeup down at the thighs and gets him to swing through it. And it was nasty. And one of the things I realized sitting where we were sitting, right? Sitting kind of down the left field line and then sitting behind the, um, you know, way back behind the um, on deck circle is you really got to feel for the difference in speed between the fastballs and the changeups, and the fastball and the curveball later, which we'll talk about with Kansas City's reliever Barlow. You really got a feel for the difference in those pitches. I mean, those fastballs explode, and those changeups and those curveballs that we were seeing, I mean, you almost wanted to go out there and help the pitch along and give it a little nudge to get it to home plate. Like, it was that big of a difference in the speed between those two pitches. So you get how after seeing three of these fastballs in a row, a changeup's going to mess up Emmanuel Rivera here, and he swings through it for another strikeout, this time to get out a little jam with two people on. So uh, that would be the second inning. The third inning would be pretty quiet. Um, he would, uh, Benatendi would single, but three outs there, and then... Uh, in the fourth inning is when Pilkington would really walk the tightrope. He walks Salvador Perez to kick things off. All right, Perez isn't helping him out in this at-bat. So now he's got to go to work with the leadoff man on. And uh, Melendez would single on a line drive to center field. Salvador Perez moves up to second. I think what saves Pilkington in this one, remember in this inning he's working with a one nothing lead. So he's really got to walk the tightrope here. Uh, what helps him is that Perez is that lead runner, and he uh, he's not going to go first to third, and you'll see later, he's not going to score from second. So Hunter Dozier is then called out on strikes. Dozier was very upset with himself. Uh, you know, two guys on, nobody out, and uh, frankly, he ends up just taking a forcing fastball that he pounds on the inside edge to the, um, to the right-handed hitter, the lefty pitcher to the right-handed hitter, 
just paints the inside edge. And Dozier knew it. He was pissed at himself. But this is a beautiful pitch right here. It's uh, right at the belt, right on the, I mean, right on the black of the plate. And that's something that a lot of the lefties we've been seeing lately, right? Henches and Logan Allen weren't able to do. They weren't able to locate that spot very often. So he strikes out Dozier with two guys on. Santana would then hit one down the, uh, he would pull one down the right field line. Oscar Gonzalez would cut it off. Perez took a big round around third, took a big turn around third. But Gonzalez comes up throwing. Now, frankly, the throw was offline. It wasn't as good as the throw he made the other day to Austin Hedges to nab that runner to end that rally. But that was definitely in Perez's mind. That was definitely in the third base coach's mind. And when Oscar Gonzalez came up throwing, and everybody threw the brakes on, they were not going to challenge his arm again. So even though the throw is a little bit behind home plate, uh, mainly, you know, pulls him off home plate just a little bit, Perez threw the brakes on and was not going to test him. So already, already the big arm from Oscar Gonzalez is paying dividends because it saves a run possibly right here. If Perez goes, he's probably safe. That ball pulled mainly off home plate far enough that uh, even Perez would have been safe if he had went. But he hesitated. And when you hesitate, you got to throw the brakes on and you, you got to give it to the, to the uh, fielder there. Uh, and then Emmanuel Rivera comes up again now with the bases loaded. He had just struck out with two guys on. Now he comes up with the bases loaded, starts him off with a four-seam fastball away to the right-handed hitter that he paints the outside edge for strike one, uh, comes back with a four-seam fastball up high that he swings through for strike two, fouls off a sinker, which is an interesting pitch. I don't know the two-seam sinker here to the... Um, to the uh, right-handed hitter, I don't know if I'd leave, try to throw this in. It feels like this was a pitch that could have been hit, and he fouls it off. Takes a changeup down low for ball one. So it's only a one-two count at this point. And then actually goes with another changeup that he foul tips, and this one is held onto by Maley for, uh, for strike three. So this one, I don't know about the pitch sequencing, but it works. I mean, he shows him the hard stuff in the same location basically three times, then shows him the changeup in similar locations twice, and, and maybe gets away with one here. Uh, maybe the stuff just nasty. I mean, sometimes stuff's just nasty for the you know for the sake of being nasty, and it works. And Nicky Lopez would then ground out and get him out of the bases loaded jam. So Pilkington survives. Uh, actually, before that Rivera strikeout, he got a mound visit from. Uh, uh, from Carl Willis, and I believe Willis told him, like, hey, you know, the bases are loaded, but that doesn't change anything for you. You attack the strike zone. You keep attacking the strike zone. I think that's what he told him. I think from Mandy Bell had that in her article, and it works. He gets out of the inning. I'm guessing they also, you know, Carl Willis in the back of his mind was like, hey, all right, this guy's pitched good so far. He's young. If he gets blown up here, all right, we'll take him out. We got Eli Morgan, uh, who can give us a few innings. But if he gets through it, then maybe this guy can go a little longer in the game. And that's what happens. He, he survives it. Then he gets into the fifth inning. Gets Merrifield to fly up. Benatendi singles again. Benatendi kind of had his number. Uh, well, Guardians pitching's number. He had three hits on the day, did Benatendi. So a decent day from him. Uh, but then uh, Bobby Witt Jr. would strike out swinging. Another strikeout. The eighth strikeout for Pilkington. And Perez would fly out. And that would be the final out for Pilkington. So, I mean, it's a huge day. That changeup was amazing. 
Uh, he was so aggressive with the fastball. It did seem to slow down as he got up there in pitches. Um, I mean, the four-seam fastballs, let's go to that fifth inning. Uh, that's right. He struck out Bobby Wood Jr. And the fastball, oh, it's still getting up there at 93.2, uh, uh, 91.5. So, yeah, it did slow down a little bit. He wasn't really hitting 94, 95, 96 anymore. He was hitting more 92, 93 with it. Uh, once he got up near, you know, 80 so pitches, um, how many pitches does he throw on the day? He gets up to 91 pitches on the day. So yeah, it slowed down a little bit that fastball as he got up there. You see, sometimes starters actually increase the velocity on their fastball as they get deeper into the game. I remember Verlander was always really nasty at that. All of a sudden, you know, the fastball would just start jumping up there and jumping up there and throwing it harder and harder as he's, you know, getting ready to exit the game. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a great job by Pilkington. It's a great job by the rest of the pitching staff, but we're going to jump to the offense because that's the second storyline in the game for me. The Guardians score in four consecutive innings, and let me tell you, it was fun. It's fun to see action on the base path every time the Guardians are up. And so the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth inning, they put across a run, and it was a situation where get a guy on and then figure out how to get him in. We didn't get the big hit. There was no three-run Austin Hedges home run in this one. Nobody mainly put one out on the warning track. Gonzalez had a you know a hard hit one that didn't go for anything. Um, but nobody had that giant monster home run. It was a kind of small ball, also timely hitting. Some just good timely hitting in this one. And the Guardians are able to scratch across runs in every inning. And everybody kind of got to play hero a little bit here. Jimenez and Palacios, both with two hits on the day. Quan and Rosario from the top of the lineup also had two hits on the day. Um, the middle of the order was actually kind of quiet. Uh, Ramirez, Naylor, Naylor hitting the four hole, by the way. We've been talking about it. Naylor hitting fourth. Owen Miller and Oscar Gonzalez all kind of quiet on the day. The edges of the lineup are the ones that are able to get a lot of stuff done. Although Ramirez does record another RBI on the day. He does get the RBI, which continues to lead Major League Baseball. He's blowing away the competition in the American League. Uh, There's a bunch of NL guys that are on his tail. But in the bottom of the third inning, uh, Palacios with a one-out single. Uh, Luke Maley would ground out to third, but they can only make a play at first. Palacios is able to get into second. It's two outs now. Steven Kwan has a chance with a runner in scoring position. Ends up drawing a walk. All right, I can't blame him there. You know, his job is to just get on base, and he does. He's on base three times yesterday. That's a good job by Kwan filling in in the leadoff spot with Straw getting the day off. So he walks, and it brings up Ahmed Rosario. And Rosario wastes no time, shoots a single through the left side. Palacios comes in to score. That's a solid at-bat. You got one job with two outs and a runner standing there in scoring position. You got one job, and that's to get him in. The Guardians were 3-for-11 with runners in scoring position and a bunch of two-out RBIs in this one, as you'll see. So, I mean, not only the pressure is on. We talk about it all the time. Make, get a runner to third with less than two outs. There's so many ways for him to score. Well, the two outs, there's pretty much, you know, you limits your options. You got to get a hit. You got to get a hit, and that's what Ahmed Rosario delivers here. Ramirez would fly out. He had a couple of balls that he looked like he wanted to drive and just got under him. Uh, didn't square him up correct, you know, as what he wanted. And uh, he flies out to end the threat. So we scratch across one. We get that one across. That's big stuff there. Um, in the bottom of the fourth, after Pilkington does a great job of surviving the top of the fourth, 
Brad Keller goes ahead and starts the inning off with a walk. And how many times do we say it? You walk that leadoff guy. I mean, we walked Salvador Perez in the top of the fourth, and I mean, we barely survived that inning. They walked Naylor to start it, and they don't get so lucky. Uh, Owen Miller would hit into a force out. They forced Naylor at second. Owen Miller's on at first now. Gonzalez would ground out sharply, sharply to Bobby Witt Jr. He did, I think I remember correctly, he did bobble this one a little bit. So he can't make a play on Owen Miller at second. He's got to go and throw out Oscar Gonzalez at first. That would bring up Andres Jimenez. And I caught this a little bit. A game was on YouTube TV, so a different set of announcers. I think my brother said Yonder Alonso, former Cleveland Indian Yonder Alonso, first baseman, was uh, doing the color. And he said the thing they're taught is that a pitch that breaks in on you uh, you know, you'd shoot that up the middle, right? Something away, some pitch that breaks away, you take opposite field. That makes a lot of sense. Something that breaks in on you like this, uh, you shoot it back up the middle. And that's exactly what Andres Jimenez did here. A nice line drive right back up into center field. Uh, and it brings in Owen Miller to score. So that's a great job. Once again, a two out hit here. Um, let me see the single from, uh, it was only 76.5 mile per hour exit velocity. So he just did what he had to do with his ball and put it back up the middle. We will see from Richie Palacios later in this game that exit velocity is not always the way to get it done. Unfortunately, he grounds out here to end this rally. All right, fifth inning. How are we going to score a run in the fifth inning? Once again, a walk leads off the inning. Keller, he's doing it to himself. Walks Luke Maley. Stephen Kwan comes up, hits a nice single up the middle. Luke Maley moves up to second. Uh, Ahmed Rosario would line out sharply to right field. This was the one that we thought could have been something. 105.2 mile per hour exit velocity. It had a 560 expected betting average, but unfortunately, it's a line out. Uh, he did smoke that one. And uh, Maley moves up to third. So now Jose Ramirez is up. Runners on the corner. Less than two outs, right? He's got that runner on third base. You just felt that Jose Ramirez was going to find a way to bring it in. And you know what? It wasn't pretty, but he brought that run in. He ends up chopping one to first base. Santana fields it, has to come in on it a little bit, and actually can't even make a play on the base, has to tag out Jose Ramirez, uh, who tried to get around him, tried to you know squeeze his body around him, uh, but gets tagged out. But it was a slow chopper, and it brings in the run from third. So you know what? Sometimes RBIs don't have to be pretty. Sometimes they don't have to be singles up the middle. Sometimes they don't have to be doubles off the wall or home runs. Sometimes it's just a chopper to first base that gets everybody on the infield moving and uh, brings that run in from third to score. So give Ramirez another RBI. Naylor would hit a nice hard line drive, but unfortunately would line out to second base to end that threat. All right, sixth inning. What do you say we go one more run against Brad Keller? Owen Miller would ground out to start things. Gonzalez would fly out to right, and that would bring up Andres Jimenez. He would put one down the right field line uh, for a double, and then Richie Palacios would come up. And again, we said exit velocity is not always... I mean, Jimenez's double is only 83.3 down the right field line. Exit velocity is not always the way that's going to win the day. And Richie Palacios hits one off the end of the bat, 57 mile per hour exit velocity, 157 feet right behind third base. It only had a 280 expected batting average, but you know what? It was an RBI double. Palacios, I don't know if you caught it on camera. I don't know if the cameras were on him, but he took a heck of a slide into second base. I mean, he was coming like a missile 
and uh, just Superman dove, laid out and uh, slid across the bag and caught it with his toe. Um, it was a f- it was a fun slide to watch. Uh, I don't even think there was a play on. He just went in really hard to the bag. Um, but back to back doubles right there in the sixth inning with two outs. I'm telling you, Jimenez and Palacio are doing really well right now. Uh, Jimenez over his last seven games. Uh, has really turned things on. He has two hits in this game, including the double. And uh, as the screen's loading over his last seven games, he's got eight hits. He's got five RBIs. He's hitting 308, a 333 on base, and a 462 slugging, which puts him, oh, I'd say right around a 795 OPS. That's an all right OPS, but a 308 average from the bottom of the lineup, I'll take that. I'll take that every day. Um, and then Palacios, he's bounced back and forth in the month of May. The first time I think he was sent down because of a little bit of how he was playing. The second time I think he was set down just because of a roster, uh, you know, crunch. And they had to figure out how to get guys on. In his last 15 days, he's got 15 hits. In his last seven games, he's got eight hits. He's hitting 348 over his last uh, seven games with a 783. OPS. Um, so that's pretty good right there. Again, from the bottom of the lineup, from the guy who's been hitting in the eight hole, that's 348 batting average from the guy hitting in the eight hole. I say that's pretty good right there. So those two guys at the bottom of the lineup are really giving you a lot. Uh, so yeah, multi-hit days from Jimenez, Palacios, Quan, and Rosario. And that's where Palacios day would end. It was interesting. They brought in Straza pinch runner there. And he was going in as a defensive replacement anyways, but it's not like Palacios really needs help running. It's interesting they didn't just wait till the end of the inning um, to put Straw out there, that they brought him in at that point as a pinch runner. Like, he could score from second base any faster than uh, than, Straw, than Palacios could. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, they do threaten again in the seventh inning. They hit a ton of hard-hit balls in the seventh inning. A uh, 105 mile per hour single from uh, Ahmed Rosario. Jose Ramirez hits one to Santana at 100.2, where Santana and the pitcher it looks like they thought they might collide with each other, frankly, at first base, and they both kind of pull up, and Jose Ramirez is safe. Naylor would line out at 105.6 to Carlos Santana, and I'm telling you, I mean, Santana has cat like reflexes at first base. It was impressive. I would love to see a sports science. Video. Do you remember that old ESPN show, Sports Science? They used the slow, high, super high-speed slow-mo cameras. I would love to see how long that ball is in the air before Carlos Santana actually reacts to it. Like, how long is the ball in the air before the human brain can figure out that that thing is coming at them and that they have to move to catch it? Uh, because it looked like that, that Santana was, everybody's kind of frozen for a second, and then all Santana explodes off his feet and catches this Naylor liner. So it could have been so much more. Owen Miller would walk. It would load the bases for Oscar Gonzalez, and I was up off my feet. I was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. Oscar Gonzalez with the bases loaded, two out, seventh inning. Let's do it. And he hits it 102.1 miles per hour, 359, and had an 820 expected batting average. Oh, but it's just a fly out. It's just a fly out. It's a good swing from Gonzalez. I think Quan came out of the dugout and gave him, you know, a tap on the back and sees as saying like you gave it a hell of a swing, man. Don't hang your head on that one. Um, so yeah, so that was good. Uh, the eighth inning doesn't really go for much. We do get two guys on, 
uh, again. So another chance for some more runs, but Rosario would strike out really bad to Barlow on curveballs. And uh, yeah, that was the offense for the Guardians. Now let's get into the bullpens. The final storyline in this one. Yeah, it's a long episode. Hey, I got a lot of color on this one. I was at the game, right? There's a little more detail to this one. Um, let's get into the bullpens because Eli Morgan comes in and he's filthy. Two innings. He does give up two hits, but no runs, no walks, four strikeouts on 32 pitches. Uh, he's hard hit only three times. Shaw comes out of the bullpen and look, I know how you feel about Brian Shaw here. It's a four nothing game. But he pitches a clean inning. No hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. You got give it up. You got to give it up to Brian Shaw on that one. Come on now. And then Cossack comes in and shuts him down in the ninth inning on seven pitches. That's efficiency right there from Emmanuel Cossack. So the Guardians bullpen is really good on the day. Um, Eli Morgan, the changeup was working for him too. Uh, the changeup was really, really good. Interesting, two fastball changeup pitchers pitching piggybacking you would wonder if they would want a different style pitcher piggybacking but it works here i mean he gets four called strikes on that changeup plus a whiff on 10 changeups and 20 fastballs it's good for a 50 percent csw on his changeup that's that's elite stuff from eli morgan there um i mean the the speed difference between his changeup and his fastball he's going 91.5 is his yearly average yesterday he was actually up a little bit at 92.3 with his four-seam fastball, that's what he averaged. And he averaged 74.8 with his changeup. He was actually a mile per hour slower than his yearly average. Um, so, yeah, the speed difference between those two pitches is insane. It's so cool to watch live. And uh, it really kept those hitters off balance for Eli Morgan. Uh, let's see. Let's go over to the illustrator here and see what the location was of all four of those strikeouts. And three of them came via the changeup. Uh, he froze Nicky Lopez up and in with a changeup. I'm sorry, Nicky Lopez is a lefty. That'd be up and away, I believe. Uh, he got Hunter Dozier frozen with a changeup in the same location, kind of up to the, what would be the arm side for Eli Morgan. He got uh, Bobby Witt Jr. to chase a changeup down in the zone. And then he threw a fastball past Carlos Santana uh, to end the sixth inning. So good strikeout stuff from Eli Morgan right there. Um, yeah, our pitchers definitely, definitely handled Kansas City's lineup on the day. I mean, man, nine shutout innings with, let's see, 15 strikeouts on the day for Guardians pitching. That's pretty solid stuff right there. I did want to highlight Barlow because his chain, his curveball was nasty. On six swings, he got five whiffs on his curveball. He got two called strikes on his curveball. It's an 88% CSW on that curveball for Barlow coming out of the Kansas City bullpen. That, that is impressive stuff. He threw it eight times and got seven strikes on it. That is impressive stuff from Barlow. I did want to highlight that because he made Ahmed Rosario look silly in that final at bat. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. It's a sweep. It's a sweep. The Guardians two games now out of five, out, you know, behind five hundred, behind the pace of being five hundred. Um, this is what we wanted. This is what we wanted from this section of the schedule, and it continues against Baltimore. You know, we have a chance. We got an off day, and then a weekend series against Baltimore, and then we're back home for six or for seven games. Excuse me, three against Texas and four against Oakland before we got to go back out on a West Coast trip. 
So a chance to really, this is still that part of the schedule. This is still the part of the schedule where we can rack up some wins before we got to go face some elite teams and prove ourselves and prove that we belong in, say, the top half of this league in the playoff hunt as opposed to eh, a rebuilding year. So I know I was hard on the team after the Detroit series, but a sweep against Kansas City. And frankly, I mean, we're tied with the White Sox basically in the standings right now. Um, You know, Minnesota is running away with, not running away with this thing, but they have a healthy lead. They've got a five-game lead over both us and White Sox, who are one percentage point. Can you play more games, frankly? They're 23 and 25. We're 22 and 24. They're on a two-game losing streak. We're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, yeah, we are with Chicago right now, chasing Minnesota. Uh, you know, we're in similar positions, and we've got some win- teams that we can rack up some wins against here. We can get this thing. We can still get this thing maybe five games over 500 before we got to go out on that West Coast swing and face Colorado, who hasn't been great, um, and the Dodgers, which who have been great, and that's going to be a really tough series. Uh, we'll be lucky to get out of L.A. with a win. Uh, in that series. So, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're not in a terrible position for the beginning of June. We're still in a position where things can happen. I mean, the rookies are coming up, and they're kind of impressive. Pilkington has been impressive. Eli Morgan has been impressive. Oscar Gonzalez and Palacios have been impressive. Quan has been impressive. It was great to see Quan three base, you know, two base hits. He's on base three times in this game, taking over the leadoff spot with Straw getting most of the day off. That's good stuff from Quan. You know, I was a little worried about him being up there in the leadoff spot, but he delivered. He delivered today. So, yeah, it's a great game. It's a great series for the Guardians to get some good feelings going in that clubhouse and uh, get back in that win column. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me again on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's your Guardians for the Royals nothing. We'll be back in two days. We got an off day, which means the next podcast will be Saturday morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on this team sweeping the Kansas City Royals. Let me know your thoughts on Oscar Gonzalez or Palacios or Quan on the rookies, on Pilkington. Let me know what you're thinking, and we'll discuss this on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.